there. I'm Leanna Hinkle with the Hinkle Homestead. And I'm Lindsay Weiniger with the Weiniger Farms. And we are your hosts on We Chose the Farm. All right, and welcome. Today is episode 22, and we are chatting more about bees. We're giving you the inside scoop deep down in the hive of what's going on, some commonly things that you might hear about bees. And we're going to kind of, as always, debunk and share some myth busters with these. This is great. I like this. Because uh, between you and me, you know more. I take probably more pictures because I have to be a photographer (laughs) for Nathan. Nathan is the beekeeper for us. So uh, I just am along for the ride and I do the graphic design stuff for the labels and I help with the bottling. That's my extent. I love getting in it. Nathan uh, has stolen so many of my kitchen utensils. Oh, yeah. Um, to bottle and do things, so, yeah. It's a very sticky process. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And once you, like, once you start bottling, just be prepared that everything's going to be sticky till it's done. Yep. Holy macro. Pretty much. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I really enjoy going inside it and learning, and that was um, a lot of feedback that I got last time after we released this past episode was great feedback, but a lot of the questions were saying, this kind of seems overwhelming. This kind of seems time intensive. Like, what's going on? So, just to address that real quickly, um, how much time would you say is needed with this bee hobby? So... Our first year was three years ago, and I bet Nathan spent more time with it that year, obviously, because it was his first year. But I think it's probably two to three hours every quarter, maybe. I'm going to say that. Um, Really, honestly, they do their own work through the spring and the summer, and you're going to go out there in the, like, like, right when it starts to warm up and clean some things up and move some stuff around and then you're going to put your new hives in and you're going to check them mid-spring and or mid-summer I'm sorry I mean Nathan honestly he didn't he doesn't check them more than two to three times in the summertime yeah so I think our very first year that we did it we were very curious to Mm -hmm. see what's going on and we probably messed with it a little too much you know because once they have their combs going and stuff, you really don't want to disrupt the system that they've got. But I want to say our very first year, we checked every single Friday. Every or every weekend we checked. Sure. Just to see. It was really cool to see how they were progressing. It was we were able to quickly see a problem if we were missing a queen or she wasn't, you know, she had left for yeah. a while because mm-hmm. that's things to check about. Um, It was just a really good learning experience, and that was our first year. Um, Now, last year, we didn't check as much. We maybe checked every month. Sure. And that was still because we really just like going in it and just seeing how they're doing and stuff. But you also, I mean, it's good to check that often, too, because remember, this is honey. Like, mice, bugs. Oh, yeah. uh, There are, you know, you can have mites. You can have all the, the, you know, the problem things for the hives so I mean it's important to check them yes um yeah but I'm you can check them as little or as much as you want I'd say just 
find a way that you could keep an eye on them. Yeah, and but, like, and the checks that I'm talking about wasn't probably any more, and sometimes it took more time to get your gear on than it sure. did to actually go in there. Sure. And it's not like we made a lot of huge changes. It was, I think our first year was like, oh, there's the queen, like, okay, put her back, you know, <laughs> she's still there, but... Um, I don't know. I Maybe, like I said, a little bit of time, half hour maybe, once a week is what we spend on it. But you're right. You'll get a couple hour projects, you know, either installing new boxes mm-hmm. or taking down boxes from the season, um, feeding bees, whether what season, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just different things like that. But Nathan would take like uh, an afternoon here or there and go paint some boxes to put them on or like create yeah. a we'd go and he'd at, tell me to add a couple pounds of sugar on my grocery list yeah. if he needed to make some sugar water and so make it work with talking about that what is the best time of day to go out do you know you probably know but i i nathan usually goes out like in the evening when it starts to cool down yeah well yeah first of all being in those soft, those suits are hot that's true they're real hot so the i think the best time that you'll have to get in there is like midday which is always you know great the hottest yeah it's probably why our visits are very short in there <laughs> But you want to do that on a warm, warm day is because most of the bees will be out. That like you sense. run into problems when it's colder, cloudy days when they're all like inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the one thing you don't want to have is a face full of cranky bees when you're in there. That's true. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, that's what I would say is midsummer is always great to midday. Yeah. It's good to While check on. Busy. But they can actually fly um, outside around 40 to 45 degrees outside. Hmm. That makes sense. Now, I was just, uh, Nathan was, our bees are not where we live. Our bees are at a family member's house. And uh, he had to go over to my brother-in-law's house um, for something around Christmas time. And we had a 50 degree Christmas, I think it was. And he said he saw his bee, the bees out and about. So... Yeah, they were, makes us nervous when they go out in the winter, but I, Nathan said, they're alive, they're good, they're going. And that is so crazy, too, because Jake literally just came in today and told us that we had lost a hive, so that makes three hives for us <laughs> instead of four. Um, it was a weak one that was already kind of going into it, and it just kind of is what it is. They just didn't have enough resources to keep going, and that's partially our fault for not Packing them a little bit heavier, but... Sure. Yeah. That's another thing to learn. You know what I mean? You learn for next year, and then probably next year they'll have too much food. (laughs) You know? Who knows? And I don't know if you'll ever get it perfect, but... So, yeah. So, speaking about feeding bees, um, let's chat about how and some of the instances of why you would feed bees. Sure. Um, So... I'm I'm generally gravitating towards um, sometimes people do like to check them in the winter time on a warm day in the winter just to like see or they are like in and out super fast because they're nervous about you know how their food supply is coming a friend of mine his wife was a teacher and uh, he was the guy that taught us the most about our bees so his wife was a teacher so she'd get all the students would get her gifts and things and she'd always come home with, like, boatloads of peppermint stick. Like, oh, like yeah. candy canes and stuff like that. And he said, usually I'd put out a, 
they do have like these pollen patties, which is yeah. a good protein source for them. Yes, um, but they uh, he would crush up the candy canes and put them yeah. out there, and they'd love them. He said it was even funny because they would crush up the blue, like the you know the blue raspberry ones, yeah. or the and he said you can see in the hive where there's like little blue dots where they that honey was. You yep. can't tell it obviously when you harvest it because it blends in well the, by then yeah that's probably already done and eaten yeah but yeah so that's a huge thing too so if you're getting packages especially if you're getting packages and i think if you're really getting any new hive you should probably feed it a little food source just because they are not established they don't have the resources available so we always just kind of used a basic like one gallon chicken water mm-hmm and did a one-to-one ratio of sugar and water just in the spring. Now, we don't feed when we have boxes on. Okay. Because then that's kind of just like sugar water. It's not really honey. We usually save up. This sounds kind of weird, but we usually, we don't clean out our honey buckets. Yeah. We just set out our honey buckets. For sure. And they clean, I mean, you should see how (laughs) they will clean out of that. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, we we do that all the time. But uh, tip for your um, for your waters, if you're going to put out sugar waters, you're mm-hmm. gonna want to put out things in the water like that, rocks. Yeah, that float or such a great idea. Like Absolutely, e- pieces of styrofoam you could put in it. Sticks, twigs, yeah, anything that they can land on so that they don't drown. Drown. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a fantastic. Even marbles would work. Yeah. Something that just kind of sticks out of that surface, but. Be careful that you're not like putting, they don't have to be like on top of the hive or even at the entrance. They can be a little bit away because, you know, the bees fly. Yep. Um, But, you know, it's sugar and it's sweet. So be careful because ants like that too. Yep. You You will attract more than just bees. And that's why you also find sometimes honeybees at hummingbird feeders and other things like that as well. So you don't actually need the dyes that you do have in hummingbird feeders. Just regular sugar water is fine for everybody. Yep. So, awesome. So, yeah, so we usually feed right towards the end of late winter, too, because we take a little bit of their frames extra, and then we'll give that back to them just to give them another boost to kind of hold out through, you know, winter. And, yeah, we could probably leave it in there, but then the chances of them burning through it a little bit faster. So this Mm kind of rations them out so that they can, you know, be sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've never done that, but I mean, there's, like we said, there's a thousand ways of doing things. Yeah, and straight up, you can do the exact same thing and it's right for one person and wrong for the other. Oh, absolutely. It's so crazy. When is, is there another time that you feed your bees besides spring and winter? Ooh, we don't. You know, if anything, I would give them a water source in the summer just because it is harder to find a good amount of, just because typically in the Midwest, it is drier. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, the longer that they have to fly for things, the shorter their lifespan. So, and we'll kind of touch base on that in a little bit. But no, we don't really feed. I try not to get into the hive during... Yeah. During winter, you know, because they are still bugs and this freeze will kill them. Actually, funny story about this. Yeah. Um, you know, when we just had the snow recently, mm-hmm. I saw like this perfect honeybee right on top of this untouched snow. And I'm like, this is real weird to see, you know, like that it was just <laughs> placed there. This is real weird. And I picked it up and I'm like, okay, I just have a feeling. 
and I brought it inside and I set it on top of like our countertop and sure enough it started twitching and coming right back to life and it was just I guess it like came out for whatever reason Uh and it was gold and that's as far as they made it no no it's I mean but it popped right back up I gave it some honey and then I put it back in the hive so I mean you saved a did. I did you know but they are still insects they are still bugs and you know the cold weather can freeze them so Which makes it interesting that they can actually survive the winter. Yeah. Oh, that is crazy. But, yeah, they do gather. They do create warmth together. They do. And they can even, like, shove their little bodies in those cells and vibrate their wings to generate a type of heat. And that's, I think, a real reason of why you hear a lot of the buzzing in the winter, too. Yeah. And some some people do, like, in the winter, they do... um, move them they do like insulate around them you just have to be really careful um about how much you insulate absolutely because you can you can heat them out and also cut out their air supply too there's a lot of things that we're talking about like saran wrapping them or something like that so that they're tight in a wind block and stuff like that and they still gotta breathe they still gotta do a lot of the things so yep that's another, that's a really great point. Yeah, you can overcook them. So putting tar paper on your hives is not necessary. Nope. At least here it's not. No. I don't I, know if you have bees in like. Go up north in Maine or something. Super north. To, yeah. I don't know, maybe they got different bees up there. <laughs> Winter hardy bees. Yeah, for sure. But you know what? Another thing that I um, learned last winter was about, especially about winter care, um, was about condensation. Yeah. And how, like, it's not the cold temperatures that will kill them. It's the moisture plus the cold temperatures that's dangerous. Just like with chickens, it's not the cold temperatures, it's the moisture that creates the frostbite that has the issues. So last year, when it was, what, 2019, when it was still Mm -hmm. um, really cold... We had that one Christmas where it was like 60 Yep. and all the bees came out and I was like, heck yes, I'm going to feed them sugar water. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to get in and I'm going to pack them full of sugar, blah, blah, blah things and I'm going to get it. And I did and I was bragging all about it, how like, set out your feeders, do all of this. And then a friend of mine was like, I don't do this. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my gosh, what, why? What did I do wrong? I Like, I'm feeding them in the middle of December. Like, who gets that chance to do that? And he's like, right, and that's great, you know, because they're going through the resources. He's like, but you've introduced sugar water. Yes. You've introduced more water. So when those temperatures freeze again in two days, right. yeah. you will now have crystallized. You have hot little humid bees. And when you oh. freeze <laughs> I didn't think about that one, Thankfully, too. it was fine. And yeah. like I said, it was just... It was not a big deal. And that's why I think you'll see some people putting wood chips in their inner covers oh, that makes on sense. the inside is to absorb mm-hmm. um, or pine shavings to absorb some of the extra moisture yeah. for that. But I had no idea. And I felt like a total like, oh, great. Crap. <laughs> My one. <laughs> and this is how we lose them all. We oh. didn't. And it was fine. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what we were just talking about. Either making another candy board for them. Um, soon or doing that but again the candy boards will help soak up any uh moisture as well yep Yep. so that's kind of a cool thing that's smart yeah um 
let's talk through um there are we talked about the deep hive body last weekend like yeah. the bottom board the box the frames and then the lid now we've got our established hive what's the next set of equipment that you're going to need Oh, so if you're already established and you have that, I guess you're going to need an extractor, right? You'll need to get your extractor because you're going to be starting to put on your boxes to acquire honey. Yeah. Yeah. But then you need so, like yeah. a... So before, I guess, yeah, so back to what you just literally just said. I jumped the gun a little bit. <laughs> so once you have your healthy bees and they're good to go, you would add a queen excluder. Yes. And then you would add your supers. We use deep, so it's the same size box all the way around. It's very universal. I don't have to mess with different size frames. It's maybe a lazy way of doing it. I don't know. But it's very actually probably not lazy because then you have to lift those heavy. They are so heavy. Those heavy boxes full of honey. And they easily, um, you know, can weigh 100 pounds. Yeah, easy. 70, 80 pounds. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, before I get want? into that, I think we should talk about what the hive consists of. Okay. Go for it. So to know the inner workings of a hive, it's really three main parts. You have your queen, your worker bees, and your drones. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody knows, like, because a lot of the, I'll get a question every while again is, how many queens are in a hive? Well, there's only one queen in a hive. Yep. And um, that queen is responsible for pretty much running the show here. And what's really cool about this is the, all of the inner workings that is inside of a hive is probably one of my most favorite things. So let's say you have, um, for whatever reason, you have a queen or whatever. We'll just say you have a queen. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be laying all of your eggs. She actually lays 2,000 eggs a day. That's a lot. Which is like, thank goodness it's not Mother's Day yeah. and you're honey. <laughs> um, so it's, she lays 2,000 eggs a day and that's really her only job is to just repopulate the hive. Right. And then you've got your worker bees and those are all female bees and their jobs change throughout their lifetime and during the full swing of it you can have a honeybee that only lives to be about six weeks old mm-hmm. and their jobs is from when they very first hatch out of their eggs they are cleaning those cells to get ready for the next one then they're taking care of the baby bees and then they are you know cleaning house and then they're taking care of the old the dead and the sick ones and um, disposing of that, then they go and they can collect the resources like the pollen and they can repair the holes with the propolis. I mean, they're doing all of the jobs here. Right. Um, but it's really cool because they also tell the queen what she needs to do to make it work. Yep. And I think, you know, it does, it definitely does not go one way or the other. It definitely all works together. Mm-hmm. The drones are kind of it's kind of fun about the drones. The drones are the boys, and they don't do anything. They're, <laughs> they're only... They're there for the hippity-dippity. That's it. That's You're totally right. But they are there to spread their awesome genetics because they don't mate within their own hive. Right. They um, go and they try to find other hives, whether that's, you know, other people's hobby hives or if that's natural hives in trees or stuff like that. Um, and then they meet up with this virgin queen and they have a great day <laughs> of lots of, <laughs> lots of companions and that's pretty much it. But 
It's, you know, I don't know if you know about the prey mantis that once she mates with the prey mantis, she She rips the head off. Yeah, so it's kind of like that. Once a male mates with a queen, he just kind of like... That was his glory day. He literally dies right after that. Adios. (laughs) Yeah, so... That's good. Yeah, so, but, and if he doesn't die from successfully mating with a queen, then at the end of fall, all the females are like, you're eating too much food, and they kick out the boys to die. Dun, dun, dun. I know, so it's tough being a boy on the farm life, um, for sure. But, so another cool thing about drones is, since they're all boys, they actually don't have dads. And that's, like, one of my most, like, brain teaser thing. And I kind of have to think about it to explain it. But drones come from unfertilized eggs. Interesting. Yeah. So if you had a worker bee try to lay eggs in your hive, you would have big, huge cells. And those are drone cells. They're all drones. Um, If you had a, I guess, a queen. So basically... If the workers are like, hey, we're doing really well, let's mm-hmm. spread our awesome genetics, make, you know what I mean, do this. She can naturally select in her body fertilized eggs and unfertilized eggs. And the little worker bees will, like, build bigger combs yeah. to accommodate the bigger fat boy bodies and do that. And but, you can you can usually see, too, um, especially prolonged in the... Mm-hmm process you can tell which cells are what kind of bees because the drones are kind of, they kind of balloon out right uh-huh. and the worker the good the good bees you want are more of like a flat and then the queens are like a peanut yes but yeah yes. that's a whole nother conversation is creating a bee yeah. a queen bee well spe- okay so on that so let's say the worker bees are like, this queen is awful. We hate her. Yep. We're going to storm the capital. Just kidding. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> um, no, but what they're going to do is they literally, um, if they don't like the way that she is working, they will just go and kill her. Yep. And that's like their mom. Ouch. Yeah. So, so then, Papa. okay, so then what's cool about that is after that's happened, they'll actually take some of the eggs that have been laid, mm-hmm. and they'll, like, feed these these eggs this royal jelly, and it's, like, to make new queens. So they'll feed all of these um, ones. And let's say you have, like, two or three at the same time. Mm-hmm. The first one that hatches will go and kill the rest of them. <laughs> so, like, there can only be one. Like This is basically how all of your... They're so ruthless. Yeah, this is how all of your royal sitcoms, or sitcom, royal dramatic movies are made is through drama in a beehive yeah but i mean it's it's really just so intense of just the inner workings of yeah all of it it's crazy yeah yeah so now that we kind of talked about the inner side of that and there it's like is your mind still blown that boy bees don't have dads because <laughs> that's my favorite like wait what I have to think through that still. It's I always like late. a couple of moms always are like, I wish I could have picked um for <laughs> uh, Oh gosh. That's uh, but anyways, um, so yeah, so when you have a queen so if you're going to expand to get honey, you put on a queen excluder and then you put your supers. So your queen excluder says that excludes the queen from going into 
the honey boxes. So it's only basically like this sheet of plastic that's got these thin little slatted lines right. through it so that only the drones and the worker bees can go through it. Yeah. Not the queen because she is obviously bigger and her body shape's longer. She can't fit through it. Because she's fat with eggs. Yeah, and so she can't get up into the supers and to lay eggs up in the little little dots. Yep, yep. So, yeah, so then anything above that um, queen excluder is for honey. Yep. And if you've got a nice hive going, then you could get two, three supers on there. And it's always fun because I think um, the person that we took the class with, I forget his name, he was saying, like, you could have boxes that are 12 high, you know, like... You, you could have them 12 high, or you could extract them several times throughout the year and only have two that are manageable. But yeah, like exactly. 12 high is a trophy, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, that's, um, that's the cool part about that, for awesome. sure. Now, um, does it matter? This is a big question Nathan always gets. Does it matter what color your boxes are? Mm. No, it does not matter what color your boxes are. Um, I think what it matters is for personal reasons so that you can mm-hmm. decipher which ones. Like, that's how we, that's how Jake and I talk about um, hive. Well, the purple one's doing really well. Yeah. And the green one died. And yeah. the blue one, sw- you know what I mean? So we can just kind of, like, put a name to a hive, I guess. You also have to remember that when you receive your hive or when you purchase your hive, brand new it's a cheap pine box you definitely need to paint it you need to paint it to weatherproof it to um it's going if it gets wet it's going to start to rot and so the paint just adds a layer of protection um but then like nathan basically goes to the hardware store and finds a can of spray paint that is on clearance that's in a light color he chooses light colors and spray paints the box and then yep yeah, and he will make notes like, oh, I put the the pink box on this date, and I put, like, that's how he, he keeps a little note in his phone, and that's how he works his hives. So it's, there is no method, I mean, there could be a very type A person out there. It's me, I'm bougie. Oh, oh, yeah. My my hives go her in hives, rainbow. Well, and her, your hives have, <laughs> like, you hand-painted I do. hexagons on there. I stole my kids' shapes. <laughs> From a playset, and I hand painted. There you go. Because <laughs> I'm bougie, but I do. I mine are a rainbow. That's so perfect. last year we only had green, blue, and purple, and now this year we added uh, pink, orange, and yellow. Perfect. And I just da da da. So do the colors matter? No, because they see in like a UV pattern anyway. So yeah. like if you painted it red, it would come out black. Yeah. If it was like purple, it looks like blue or pink or something like that but honestly the bees don't care about the color they geographically know where they're going they make plenty of orientation flights and kind of map out all of their patterns and everything else so that they specifically know which one they come to yeah um if they go to a different hive so i this is a fun thing i've heard about this if a hive from box green goes into blue one the blue guards might be like you got food man and they're like yeah they're like, well, come on in, feed our hive. <laughs> and then if they try to leave, they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> you work for us now. Just kidding. Um, but That's I think funny. that, 
Yeah, if they're bringing in food, they have no problem. But if they're trying to take food, then they won't Heck let them no. in. Yeah, so they know their own homes and yeah. where they're supposed to go to. And every single hive has their own pheromone scent to it yes. too from the queen. I so have heard that. again, like it's it's quite all right. Um, tell me. Uh, tell me, do it does um just like a bee dies after it stings you? Yeah. Do bees die after they get honey? Uh, so that was another thing that I think a lot of people get misconceptions about is I'm allergic to bees, and I probably bet you are allergic to bees, but I think you're having more honest reactions from wasps that look a lot like bees. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because honeybees and wasps are not the same thing. If you see a wasp and like, hi, contact your local beekeeper to tell you if it's a wasp or a honeybee. <laughs> if it's a wasp, raid that sucker, yeah. set it on fire, and walk away. <laughs> If it's a if it's a honeybee or a, like a friendly pollinator, like yeah. escort it to the nearby flower, and it's fine because it actually doesn't want to sting you. You're yeah. right. If it stings you, it will die. Mm-hmm. And this is what you're talking about. There's a funny article that said, "How could you ever have honey? These bees die for honey." And people are like, "What? Wait, <laughs> what? What are you talking about?" And they're like, "Don't play me. I know that." Honey is just ground up bee blood. And they're like, wait, what? Like, what science did you miss out on? So, uh, no, the bees are not harmed in the process of making honey. Then they would literally be cannibals because that's literally their food. (laughs) That is their food source. Oh, boy. No, so they're fine. So that's what you do when you uh, go to extract um honey is you brush the bees off or you take a gentle leaf blower and Mm -hmm. you do that and you get the bees out and you cut the wax off and then you use the centrifugal force of your uh extractor and that pushes all the honey out i posted a video of it Mm -hmm. um i think yesterday yeah you did or wednesday i don't know (laughs) of uh of a of us uh extracting honey yeah so You'll have to jump over to the Instagram and look at that. It's super cool. Um, the other big thing that always <laughs> makes me frustrated, mostly because I see people wearing t-shirts that says "Save the Bees." Ooh. So this is um, very here we go. We're gonna have a little history lesson. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. So back during um, World War Two, was it World War Two? World War One, where they had their sugar shortage. Ooh, I don't know. I don't remember. It's one of, I think it was the Great War. I think it was World War One. Is that for like Great Depression? That yeah, it was the I Great Depression. That was the first one. That so, was in the 20s, right? Yes. Um, there was a shortage on like imported sugar. And so people were finding extra new things to sweeten. Mm-hmm. And obviously honey was one of those things. And so naturally... Because of that, the demand went up for it. So, you know, people started paying attention to their hives. They started selling honey more. And um, basically, when the export of sugar came back to the United States, they, like, this mentality that we don't need the bees anymore came around. Now, it doesn't mean that, like, the bees died or the bees stopped. Like, it's... They are, we're not short on bees. We just stopped producing so much honey because we had other sugar sources. So, yeah. And I think there is a save the bee moment that is more focusing probably on like the use of pesticides, unnecessary pesticides. Okay. For that. 
that you know what I mean if the if the crops are using pesticide like if your almond crops yeah. are using pesticides that kill the bees that populate that now you don't have almonds and you don't have honeybees right but I do think we should also exclusively think of all natural pollinators yeah not just honeybees right because I do think a lot of people are saying save the bees but they don't like bumblebees Mm-hmm. Or they say save the bees, but they, like, you know, don't like mason bees. Sure. You know, because even though mason bees kind of chew up wood and stuff, they still are pollinators. And birds are pollinators, aren't they? Yeah. I There's, like, a, there's thousands, thousands of, of different ways that yeah. there can be pollinators. Besides it just being honeybees. Yeah. So save the bees is kind of... I'm sure it grew more of like a marketing standpoint. I don't think it's not important, but right, educate. Yes, I. It's not. Bees are not going extinct. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the use of all the pesticides because there are a lot of big, huge yeah problems with that. Sure. But I think um, even last year, this past year. Even though we got surprised with an airplane that did not notify. Oh, I was freaking out. <laughs> uh, so, oh, I don't like that feeling. Um, anyways, we got surprised with an airplane that was too close, spraying stuff. I frantically called all of my farmers and was like, stop your blades, stop your blades. And they told me that because of the GMOs and their corn, <laughs> they didn't have to use pesticides, that it was just herbicides. Yeah. So, that was another thing that we had several, like, a few months ago about GMOs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go back to that episode. So, you know, GMOs in your crops that don't have pesticide problems means that you don't have the aerial chemicals that are really good for our, you know what I mean, that are right. it's better that you don't do it. Sure. Mm-hmm. To, for us to breathe in chemicals. Yep. Oh, sorry. That kind of derailed a little bit from. <laughs> no, that's right. It's all information. It's yeah, good. it's it's wild. Uh, now here's the question. <laughs> so I I, it's like, do I talk about this because I think this is a big selling point of the honey in our store, but um, a lot of people are always on the search for their local honey because, um, they are anxious for it to help with their allergies. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so let's talk about this a little bit. If you are allergic to, if you're having allergies like during the fall or during, like during harvest time or in the spring when everything is pollinating, are you allergic to bees? Are you allergic to grass? Are you you allergic to pollen? Okay, so... Yeah, I hate I hate this <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like this is one of the things. There's like, oh, bees aren't as cool as I thought they were. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, I guess I don't like them. Yeah. Um, but but no. I'm, after this, though, I'm going to tell you all the amazing things that honey does. Yeah. But... Okay. So that's a great way to follow that up. Um, okay. So here's the thing: can be can honey help with your allergies? Absolutely. Yes. And also no. And no. <laughs> Because it depends on what you're allergic to. (laughs) You know, if you are allergic to pollen, yes, consuming amounts of pollen daily will increase your natural tolerance to that and not have allergies. Yep. If you are allergic to 
disgust. No, that's not going to help you. No. <laughs> I think even if you're allergic to grass, because most of the time it's the grass that you're allergic to that's not flowering, right? Or is it? I, I am allergic to grass and trees. Yeah, so... There's not a lot of pollinators that hit the trees. There is, yeah. Honey would not do a bit of difference for me. Is it still good for you? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, I get horrible coughs. I get runny noses. That's, it's got, I mean. I gave up sugar. I gave up refined sugar. So honey, maple syrup is a great alternative for me. Yeah. I love it. So the the answer. (laughs) I feel like everybody just went, hush. <laughs> Crap, what did we talk about? Why did you know, talk about this? I know. No, so yes, if you do have pollen allergies, if you do have um if you're allergic to your neighbor's next door dog, like no. Yeah, no, it's not this gonna is help not the you. Same thing. I'm sorry. Unless but, your bees were pollinating the dog. Which would just be weird. <laughs> that would be awkward. Yeah. Um but there are a lot of fantastic qualities that honey does have. Let's hear it. So Honey actually has lots of antiseptic and antibacterial qualities. I'm not going to go as far to say that it's antibacterial, but... I would. Okay. But it will (laughs) help with bacterial problems that you have. So, like... Yeah. uh, Let's say you have some diarrhea that's usually caused by a bacteria problem. Oh, yeah. And so, like have a hot glass of water with honey and lemon in it. Or... Yeah. So, say you've got... Uh, I'm trying to think like if you have a cold or if you have something like that and your your throat is scratchy you're obviously gonna like the the feeling of honey on your throat there's there's lots of like antibacterial qualities about honey also kennel cough with, oh, really? in dogs like this was huge for our dog we've never he never gets kennel cough unless he goes in for his annual checkup or something like that you know but it's because he he don't hate me. He doesn't go inside ever anyway. Yeah, sure. And so so we what we do is for like five days after he gets out of uh going to the vet is we put honey on his food. And he's fine. He's good. He's awesome. If you join a lot of the farm homesteading Facebook groups as well, mm-hmm. your somebody gets cut, your chicken, your cat, your whatever, they say put a little honey on that. That's that antiseptic quality that yeah. it offers. Burns, it's supposed to help with burns. It helps oh, keep I bet that's infection super away. Soothing. Yeah. Yeah, it it's great for that. Um I'm trying what to think. I do? I did something. I think Gabe ate a ghost pepper. <gasps> mm, <laughs> Mistaking yeah. it for it. It's actually <laughs> like, you're terrible for laughing. It's just that. Yeah, that would be funny. Uh, it, was a little, it was a little funny. But also really sad and terrifying <laughs> at the same time. I think we, like, dosed him with, like, three tablespoons full of honey to help the burn yeah. effect of it, too. But also, like, a soothing for his factor. Mouth. Yeah. Um. Also, just by eating, like, a spoon of honey a day, yeah. it boosts your immune system, like, hardcore. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, I mean, there's so many good qualities to, like, local unfiltered honey. Yeah, for uh, But, sure. you know, also remember for the fact uh, that children under the age of one should not have honey. Mm-hmm. Young children should not have honey. If you want to stay on the safe side, some people say all the way up till three. Um, but because... It is unfiltered, it is unpasteurized, and it could, you know, like, it's known, not known, what's the right word? It could cause botulism. Yes. So That's and, why they say to stay away from it if you're under one. Yeah. And that's... It's more 
potential, I guess. Detrimental for little people. Um, do you want to know a fun fact? Yes. That's also terrifying. Great. So we always preach shop local. Yeah. We always have. Mm-hmm. You and me have. Um, but there was a uh, show on Netflix right recently, and it was, I don't remember what the title was. Anyways, but they were saying that there's a large percentage of the honey in commercial grocery stores that is not actually honey. It's from an Asian country that's very large that does a lot of production. (laughs) (laughs) But they have syrups that are, you know what I mean, that are flavored and that are this, and they can produce mass quantities, and they can sell it for cheaper rates to get more of a money drive up, and it's just all of this. And they have tested facilities to test all of these things, and it seems like as soon as one thing tests, they've already developed how to pass that test. Yep. So it's constantly being like, mm-hmm. you know, under the radar with stuff like that. So if you are all in question of what kind of honey you are getting, hi, visit your local beekeeper. Yeah, and look, it will show you where my hives are literally when you pull in the driveway to buy this honey. Even if you were to look at labels, it's going to say 100% honey, but if you don't see a farm name on it or raw honey raw yeah yeah. if if, i'm yeah just don't yeah don't trust the big the big most of the things i don't even like mind about you know we've chatted about commercial farming for meats and for eggs and for different stuff like that and like yeah local is always best for sure but like yeah honey is a straight up sketchy business if yeah if it is commercially distributed in large, massive quantities. It is going to have those, the commercial honey is going to still provide the soothing effect. It's still going to provide as a sweetener and all that kind of things. But that, you need that raw, you need situation in order to have that antibacterial antiseptic qualities. Yeah. Is it more expensive? Yeah. But Mm -hmm. I mean, are you getting real, raw, unfiltered honey or are you getting honey syrup? Yes, exactly. We've covered allergies. We've covered, like, the benefits of honey. We've covered the different roles in a hive. We've covered parts of a hive. Holy mackerel. There's a lot. There's, there, and, like, again, I feel like we still haven't even scratched the surface. So here's my recommendation for you also if you are considering getting bees. Hi, thanks for listening to this podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, but also, if you get a chance to, go and do an online class. I know mm-hmm. it's, you know, COVID and everything, and you there's not a lot of people doing in-person. But I know that during, like, hard lockdown quarantine, there was, like, a university that was doing free B certification, stuff like that. Yep. Take a class. Watch your YouTube videos. Join your local groups. We There's a Central Illinois Bee Association mm-hmm. group. Um, and that's where if you um, don't have an extractor, you can actually, like, rent one out. They've got, yeah. like, a little club to do that and stuff. So I'm sure in your local area there's probably something like that. If you can partner with a bee mentor that kind of lets you, like, get in the hive and shows you what to look for and what to do in these situations, that's always a super great idea. Read all the books. <laughs> yeah. You know, just with anything, we've got a thousand books that we read before we kind of dive in with this. And that's where we get a lot of our knowledge from, is from our research, other people's stories, and our own experiences. Nathan said the same thing. I said, how, what would you suggest? And he said, if if you can't find someone in person that you can go and watch them do it, 
then YouTube and buy books. Perfect. Awesome. I think that kind of covers it. So we'll drop some links down below. Yep. Of all the things that we're thinking of. Yeah. Of all the things that you should have to get started on your best be ever year. (laughs) Diving deep in the hive. Oh, that was way better. (laughs) Until next time, friends. If you like what you heard today, you can find us at We Chose the Farm on Facebook and Instagram. And to find Hinkle Homestead directly, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Google at Hinkle Homestead. Want to visit the Weininger Farms? You can find us mainly on Instagram at Weininger Farms. Or jump over to our website at WeinigerFarms.com. See you later!